Trials and tribulations, life can get rough. And through the storm, we'll make it just put your trust in him. No matter what you're going through, I know that I'll never leave you. You feel that you can't take no more. You may think you've seen it all. Welcome back to the Get Happy with Jay podcast. Hope everyone is doing well. We've survived what's going on politically and every and all the craziness that is going on. <laughs> and the laughter you hear in the background is my wonderful co-host Karen Wilson, who is joining me for today's episode. So, hello, Karen. Hey, how's it going? And if you are still absolutely loving our theme music, of course, as I always remind you, the artist is Jeremy Rain, Jeremy Rain, who also happens to be my brother. If you want more information on him, I have a blurb about him on the website gethappywithjay.com so check him out you can uh, see a picture of him because I don't know about you but I like to see who yeah I put like, a face to the voice right I guess. me too I, I'm well I'm I'm a complete like album head I will yeah. read the liner notes the, oh me too I always work all that on that the, was always yeah. what was special about yeah. it especially and, the big special mm-hmm, albums it's mm-hmm. like you poured through those liner yeah. notes so yeah, I love that so the name of the song is Get Happy, and he wrote it specifically for the podcast. So, so cool. That's yes, awesome. awesome, and we kept it in the family. So if you're loving it, hook him up. You can find him on all social media outlets at Jeremy Rain. And so let's get right into the topic today. We started talking about it before we recorded, and I was like, no, let's save it for the show. <sighs> today we are talking about colorism. And specifically within the African-American community, because all communities of color experience colorism. Mm -hmm. It's in the Latino community. Any community where there are people of various hues, Mm -hmm. you're going to get colorism. And so we are going to talk about that. I think Karen and I both have uh, unique perspectives Mm-hmm. on colorism even though we grew up in the same small community <laughs> which you guys have heard us talk about g-berg yeah g-berg in the house All right. <laughs> <laughs> don't know how much we should be proud of that, i know they need to turn the lights off over there silver, oh my goodness <laughs> silver streaks mm-hmm. in the house 89 yes sir 87 <laughs> <laughs> so anyway um. We are both women of color, different hues. (laughs) So first of all, let's define what colorism is. What is it to you? How would you define colorism, Karen? Well, in my case, um, people usually, well, yeah, colorism is just someone of a darker hue looking down on somebody who is um, light skin and and so that, that's your perspective yeah that's mine yeah, your perception because that's it. what because that's how people treat me yeah yeah <laughs> they have a certain perception of me yeah. until they get to know me yeah of how I um, carry myself so yeah mm-hmm well, I think we should go with like the, the actual generic <laughs> definition of what colorism is. And when we say that, 
It's how people are treated based on the tone of their skin. And I think this has been an issue that has plagued our communities since slavery. Mm -hmm. And I really don't know what it's been like or what it is in the motherland of Africa, how they treat one another based on skin color. Um, Evidently, there's an issue because there's a huge skin bleaching phenomenon that's going on yeah i have i I met a girl that um she was a resident with the university of illinois college of medicine and was here doing her um you know studies and happened to be from africa and and she even from there because i thought you know all the issues that i have and so i thought okay well here's a real live you know african person and she had the same hang up about what she looked like. Now, then. was she a dark-skinned African? No, no, she was normal, normal. But like she was mid-tone. light, mid-tone. But she was lighter than everybody else in her family, and so she felt she self-conscious. Was treated, she was treated different. Was yeah. she treated better or worse? No, she because was a, no, because she wasn't dark. Darkest. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, she had the exact opposite. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, um, I first became aware of colorism sadly from my own household my great-grandmother raised me and I really you guys if you have been faithful listeners to the podcast you know I grew up in a community that was just about equally black white and Mexican Mm -hmm. my neighborhood was you know a poor working class neighborhood um, made up of you know all sorts of various groups one of my best friends is Chinese so I didn't really have the normal hang-ups about race that some people, especially black people, have because of how I was raised. Mm -hmm. But interestingly enough, my great-grandmother, who hailed from Kentucky, she was about my complexion, which I am, if you haven't seen my picture on the website, I am considered dark-skinned. So... um, I'm trying to think of a celebrity who has my same skin tone. Probably Gabrielle Union. I think we're about maybe the same skin color. If that lets you know, skin color-wise anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, So I never really thought about it, but my grandmother every summer would start freaking out about me being outside all the time. So as you get dark, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) so I remember because I would always question things and which Mm -hmm. drove her nuts. I was like, why? Why are you worried about me going outside to play? And she was like, because you're going to get so black. You're already dark enough. Mm. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? And then she was, the first time I heard the term about the paper bag thing, Mm -hmm. I heard from her. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you already can't pass the paper bag test. Mm -hmm. So do you want to get any blacker than you are? And then she had horrible opinions about dark-skinned people. And I remember she always told me, I mean, she did not like, and what I'm talking about dark skin, I'm talking about darker than me, I'm talking about when the people that are so dark that they actually look like the color of like a black crayon or Mm -hmm. blue black, Mm -hmm. that type of black, Mm -hmm. she was so racist against. And she'd always be like, Look at and she. If she saw somebody that was that hue, she'd make comments like, "Oh, that person is black and evil. Mm-hmm. People that black are evil." So I don't even know wow, where, where she got that from. from. Yeah. And you know, when I got old <clears throat> enough to really, really talk, which I probably should have, but talk back to her, I'm like, 
you're not light-skinned. We're about the same color. Mm-hmm. And she just looked at me like I was crazy. Well, in my household, we run the gamut because um, there's people who look like me. I have cousins who are dark. Am and I? Karen, describe your hue for people okay. who haven't seen your picture. <laughs> okay, I am probably the same complexion of Vanessa Williams. She, yeah. We always liked her because she was a, you know, winning Miss America. She was the, she, let's clear it up. She was the first African-American Miss America. Absolutely. And then everybody else is subsequent after that. Suzette Charles and Kimberly Aiken, all of them are after her. So we always liked her because she looked like us. Yes. And, and, and was held up as a standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, so in my family, that that's what I look like. But then my mother's sister, they had different mothers, but the same father, um, Aunt Joan, was dark. She was darker than my mother. Like, mm-hmm. she probably would be the same complexion as uh, Viola Davis. Yeah. 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 So, and growing up in the 60s, yeah, because mom was born in 42. So, yeah, 50s, 60s, and having that juxtaposition. And then um, grand my my grandmother uh, uh, Edna raised Aunt Joan from the time she was um, twelve. And was your grandma Edna light skinned? Yeah, she looked Mexican. Very fair. Yeah, mm-hmm. very fair. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, just because uh, she and um, so yeah, so mom and Aunt Joan were twelve years apart. And then Aunt Joan, it was like they were only children because Aunt Joan ran away at sixteen and moved across the street. So, uh, yeah, that's a whole nother story. But when she would have mom with her, a lot of people thought she was mom's maid. So there was a lot of animosity there. Oh. Yeah. So, but I mean, as a, um, so yeah, I had that going on. And then the extended family, like um, my great grandmother, Grandma Barry, was around until the time I was about five. Yeah. Cause she, she was born in 1897 and then lived to be 97 and died in like 1976. So yeah, I would have mm-hmm. been like, I would have been like four or five. And what was her complexion? She was light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but her husband, uh, Eddie Berry, was, looked, looked just like a, um, an Indian, um, India, uh, or India. Yeah, he looked like Anwar Sadat. He okay. looked just like that, that mm-hmm. complexion. Mm-hmm. Um, same really straight hair, that type of stuff. And um, so, yeah, and so then they produced five children. And um, so anyway, but yeah, in the extended family, I never felt like an outcast. We never, I mean, we had family reunions every year. It was great when I was little because we used to have people, because everybody was centrally located. Like the farthest person was like Canton. So the majority of your family were very fair skinned with like maybe a sprinkling of dark skinned people. Yeah, yeah. Then that was by design. Yeah, they didn't want, they wanted to preserve the color. Yeah, so my my okay. Co- so how did you know that they wanted to well, preserve the color? Was it was how was color talked about amongst your relatives? Uh, I, my my grandmother worried about being out in the sun. Uh, Grandma Edna were uh, getting dark and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then for me, because I have all the environmental and food allergies, I was indoor. I was forced an indoor child because I I'm allergic to the sun, like basically. And so, um, so yeah, so I was under, you know, sitting on the porch or whatever with them. And, um, but yeah, as a whole, um, yeah, they didn't want to fraternize with other dark people. And, and I remember my sister telling me that, um, well, I mean, my dad is dark. So mom, mom, Roxy. Which I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, yeah, he's dark. 
And so, yeah, so mom and Roxy both broke the mold by bringing in somebody, you know, because, uh, yeah, my great uncle, he married another light-skinned lady, and then, uh, yeah, that would be... Uh, Did they make disparaging remarks about no, no, dark-skinned people? No, no, I was always people? loved, and I didn't get any of that type of treatment until I was out in the world. No, my family never... No, we all were as close as... I mean, even though we're all, like, first and second cousins, we're like mm -hmm. brothers and sisters. But you never heard your light-skinned relatives, like, make, you know, mm -mm. degrading remarks about dark-skinned people? No. No, that was never talked about. Mm -mm. So the light skin thing was kind of an unspoken. Unspoken thing, yeah. Yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, um, outside my grandmother, color really wasn't an issue. Now, like I said, she was my great-grandmother. So my grandmother, who was her daughter, actually stepdaughter, was very light. Mm -hmm. She could have passed for like an Indian person and allegedly she's half Indian I don't know maybe I'll do an ancestry I want to do the ancestry because we got a lot rolling around in there for me. yeah yeah <laughs> me yeah. too so <laughs> she was really light-skinned and my grandfather from what I understand was very dark mm -hmm. so you know and and my mother never really talked about color mm -hmm. so that wasn't really an issue and I can't really remember being treated any kind of way like by my peers for being dark like your sister and I like for you listeners Karen's sister Amy and I were best friends for several years and I never really thought about Amy as being someone that was lighter than me I just didn't really think about color mm -hmm. and again like I said probably because I had good friends that were white and one of my very best friends in the world to this day is Mexican mm -hmm. so I don't know, maybe because of that perspective, I didn't really think about it. See, and I had the exact opposite um, uh, experience because once I, um, well, even in Galesburg, I was treated different because because of where we lived. You know, we didn't live in the projects. We didn't live on the east side of Galesburg. And yeah. my dad, um, I mean, they scrimped and saved. Uh, I always tell the story. I said, they, they, mom was making top dollar at 225 in 1968 as a nurse. And then my dad was at Dick Blick and they, they lived off of her salary, saved my dad's salary and were able to save up enough money to buy the plot of land that the house was built on that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And so they paid $2,000 for the lot and $2,000 for the lumber to build that house. And um, so a lot of people had preconceived notions because they thought we were rich and, oh, well, she's light. So therefore she must think she is white mm -hmm. and um and then even even in high school I was really kind of I couldn't really find my place because um the the popular girls you know mom was a nurse by the time I got up in high school my dad was no, no longer on the scene so she's doing it by herself and you know so I couldn't afford all the you know prom dresses and different things like yeah. that and um you know and then my cousin Lisa whose father was a policeman, so they were making bigger money than we were. She was accepted. And then I- And they're I, dark. And they're dark, yeah. And it's kind of interesting because my dad's brother, um, we matched Uncle Mickey and Lisa and then matched my dad. So, there, so a lot of people didn't, they thought Uncle Mickey was my dad. And, because he uh, was light. Because he was light. And um, so it, yeah, it was really kind of comical because I remember I got into a fight with, because uh, he's like, how can you be cousins? The cousins are not, you know, they're the parents are siblings, not the kids themselves. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he's like, how can you be cousins? And you guys don't look the same. 
And I, I think I punched Todd Anderson out for saying that because I was like, yes, that is my cousin. But, um, you know, so, yeah, so I had that all the way through. Um, yeah, so I really wasn't accepted by the blacks and I really wasn't accepted for the whites because they didn't know mm-hmm. how to perceive me. Yeah. And I always tell the story about um, when I was um, a lot lighter, pound-wise, I did gymnastics. And so and I was a excellent tumbler. I was probably what you would consider a power tumbler today. Mm-hmm. And I would go out for cheerleading every year from the time junior high all the way up until sophomore of high school. And I never got picked, even though... Oh, really? Yeah, That's no, interesting. never, never. And I understand why. But now, why now? Because... Because I don't fit the mold. You got one little token. And when we would but go on, you are so fair that you could practically pass for white, and that's why because they got to have one black, and I don't fit. I, they, they can't say I'm black. So you weren't black enough. I wasn't black enough. Yeah. Oh, see, that's interesting. because yeah. you're. That's the the flip experience. I know totally. Exactly. Exactly. So, and mom was like, "Why are you?" You know, and I, I've always been. You know, the whole you know can do attitude. Nothing beats a no versus a, a um, you know. And she's like, "Why do you keep setting yourself up for that disappointment?" And I said, "Well, if I don't go out." They're not going to come to you me. Gotta and say, try. I got to try. I got to try. And so finally, I got the message sophomore year. Yeah. And um, and then that by that time, yeah, I was 16, 17, and, and it was just time to give it up. And, um, you know, so then I moved on to um, stage call and some other things to do mm-hmm. uh, extracurricular. But, yeah, as I look back on that now, because um, – I was like, yeah, I wasn't black enough. So if we went on on um, away games, nobody would know they had their little token. So then they picked Tina Harris. I remember. I Tina was trying White. to remember her name. <laughs> Tina Harris. She is was who they very picked. dark skin. She was yeah. a beautiful very, girl. Yes, very dark skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and she could barely of, do a flip, but she fit the mold. Yeah, I remember she was yeah. like a horrible cheerleader. Yeah, she so if was. You guys are out there and know her. Sorry, yeah. but yeah, you know, fact yeah, she was. She was. But yeah, she was pretty. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, yeah she, she was, was like not one athletic token. at all. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. So, so as I look back on that, I, um, you know, and I said that just made me who I am today and stronger. And I don't, you know, whatever. I seek but validation from nobody. That is so interesting nobody. because I wouldn't even have thought that someone that fair skinned would have those kinds of experiences. That's been horrible. It really has. And, and, and then, I mean, it's taken me uh, my 48 years to be comfortable in my skin mm-hmm. because there for a while I'm like, okay, you know, why did God do this? And then you start doubting yourself and all this other stuff. And I remember Mrs. Edwards, cause I have, uh, and I'm proud of it. I said, I have really pretty hair. And when we would go to the shop and people were like, I want what she has. And Mrs. Edwards says, you can't have that. Those are God's colors. And, uh, and mom was like, she used to tell us that all the time. She's like, people pay big bucks for that color. So yeah. she's like, don't be. So what sh- color is your hair? So my hair has, is a mixture of red, brown, and blonde. And it's gotten darker as I've gotten older because uh-huh. of putting the relaxer on it. Yeah. Um, but when I was little, it would, if I was out in the sun, it would just like get like rainbow colors in there. Like the red would really come out mm-hmm. because red runs on both my dad's side and my mom's side. My mm-hmm. His mother, grandma, and even though she wore wigs all the time, her natural color was red. Yeah. And then um, on my mom's side, uh, their red ran on that side and there was a um a great aunt um that my mom was named after or that looked like Jetta and her hair she had the blue eyes and red hair mm-hmm. like she literally could have passed for white and we do have 
a set of um, cousins in the Minnesota area that did pass for white. That they specifically, they specifically chose they, to yeah. live life as white mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And see, I want to look up and find out information about my great-grandfather who was married to my great-grandmother that raised me that they ended up uh, being divorced because he looked white. I only Mm -hmm. have one photo of him, Mm -hmm. and he looked white, like 100%. I don't know if he originally came from Kentucky or not, so I really need to look into his family history because I think it would be interesting to see what where he hailed from and and who his people were we have because it's interesting that he always chose Mm dark-skinned women Mm -hmm. and he looked like a white man yeah um we have that lineage on my mom's side grandpa jabine came from kentucky and then migrated to um canton and uh or no i think he he went to missouri first then was Mm -hmm. in canton then he was in Chicago and then came back down to, to Galesburg. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so we're on my mom's side, we're like up to like 10 generations or eight generations, something like that. Um, but on my dad's side, there were grandma and her father was white. That's where the Talton comes in. And her people are from Hannibal, Missouri. And, and we have family from Hannibal. Do you I really? think we're related you, here. We might be. We might I be. I seriously think you, because Hannibal, Missouri, of yep, all places, yep. we went there every summer for too. family reunions. Mm-hmm. And we also had family from a small town that I Palmyra. Think, Palmyra. There you go. What do you know about Palmyra? <laughs> That's, That's like a population yeah, a thousand, yes, maybe. Every bit of that is set right on the river. It's right across Karen, the river. Karen, we are related. I bet you we are. Go back I, in I that think wood pile. We are. Yeah. We, we would have to be. Yeah. How could both of us have roots <laughs> in Hannibal and Palmyra? Yeah, Palmyra. Oh, yep. my goodness. Yep. So, yeah. So, Grandma Ann, she was a Talton. And then there were half brothers and sisters and full brothers and sisters. And so she had a sister, Catherine, that was a half, I think. And were they the light skinned? Yeah, team she, light, she team was dark. team light. It was so funny because her, yeah, her. her then uh, where'd your dad get his dark skin from? Revel, his father, who happens to be Native American, he, he's got Blackfoot. For us, the Native American is true. A lot of people think they are Native American. It was just the white rolling around. See, do there. you really think so? Because just like just like my biological grandmother, she looked Indian, and so I was like, "Oh, you guys are Cherokee or whatever." And I'm like, if you talk to almost any black person in America, they're going to tell you that there's Indian somewhere in well, their family. Well, for us, it's I, not true for everybody. I'm no, sorry, but for us, it is because. This one guy that I worked with, um, well, I think he's at HGS, and he's a um, spoken word artist, but he's very much um, versed in genealogy and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And so when he saw me, I I told him, I said, well, we're told that there's Native American. He said, for you, it's true, because he said the shape of your eyes, he said you have the shovel teeth. Uh, on the on the lower level and he said even when i look at your hands he said the the way your thumb is shaped he said that's native american and he said it's true for that's you that's interesting yeah so so i'm like okay and so yeah so on my dad's side it's supposed to be um blackfoot and on my mom's side the the cherokee yeah. and so um <laughs> but uh yeah so so revel was dark and we don't know very much I just know his real name was Robert Wilson. Revo was a nickname. And so, and it's interesting because I met a girl here in Peoria that her grandfather's name was Robert Wilson. 
And and mm-hmm. then we were comparing because when I perked up, I was like, Wilson, you know, you don't really. I mean, I know that there's, I know who my dad's brothers are and stuff, but uh, yeah. I have a half brother that we don't know that much about. And he carries, uh, his name would be James Edward Wilson Jr. And so Brian was not able to be named James Jr. because that kid already had the name. He's he's a few years older than Brian. Okay. And so he could have kids here. We don't really know what happened. But See, anyway. that's the thing. And, and there was this whole interesting story with my grandfather who ended up getting separated for complicated reasons from my grandmother. And supposedly he went to, like, Memphis and married someone while he was still married to my grandmother and never finalized a divorce. But supposedly he had eight kids by mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. So it's like we have all this family that we know nothing about. Right. And so so when I was working a different job, this girl came in. And so and I was when I heard Wilson, I perked up. And then she's like, yeah, well, my grandfather's name is Robert Wilson, too. We started comparing pictures. And she has a sister that looks just like Joy. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. And and I know mm-hmm. that there is somebody walking around Peoria with my face yeah. that we've never connected. Like Weird. she went to ICC. I did too. Um, I think she goes to St. Paul. <laughs> I go to Ward Chapel AME. I'm not. So well, I maybe just, one of you, maybe your cross, your paths will cross. Sometimes some I don't know because it's so weird. Um, I was like, I just hope she's nice because I'm nice. <laughs> okay, back to our color. Okay, sorry, topic, we digress. Could, we could get off on the genealogy thing like <laughs> yeah, all day long because it's sure. so interesting for all black people in America. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously. So. At what age do you think you really first became aware of colorism or that your color was like even different from other people, whether it was your peers or or uh, even relatives? When do when I never how- really had a different experience with my family. It's always been strangers. And I wanna uh-huh. say probably the the divide happened at ten and fifth grade. Okay. Because when I, I always um and I'm I'm proud of that is because we came from a small town and I went all 12 years of school with the same set of kids. We all started out in kindergarten. There's yeah. like, there's like eight of us. And, um, but then things and, and everything was cool until we started junior high. And then, and then there was a split because the right. community we come from, there yeah. was basically two public junior mm-hmm. high schools, Lombard and Churchill. Cause right. I remember I was broken Blue streaks. that most of my <laughs> friends ended up going to Churchill yeah. and I got stuck at Lombard, yeah. which we called Scumbard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a blue streak baby all the way. So anyway, so yeah, so the divide happened at fifth grade cause we only spent one year at, at steel middle school and then everybody yeah. went to Churchill or Lombard. And, and then I, I saw the difference and um, and then when I went away to college, that you know that whole fiasco over at Monmouth, that was really a stark, because and they used to there was a one girl that I we were because you were harassed harassed for being light skinned harassed for being light skinned yes yes I was at college, and so the girl that my um, hallmate she stayed a couple of doors down from me and we we all took the same classes whatever they used to refer to us as salt and peppa and i was salt and she because she was dark she was peppa mm-hmm. and stuff like that and so um so yeah it started there in college and then it just you know like i said people 
have preconceived as soon as they see well even yeah my uh, when i started at bed bath the did women, they assume that you thought you were better than yeah. other people because mm-hmm. you were light yeah yeah or yeah and then i was trying to hide my race and all that other stuff and i'm like no i was like once you talk to me you will know i'm down you know what i'm saying but having <laughs> experienced all that treatment horrible treatment all your life from mm-hmm. childhood on up did it make you have feel some sort of way about people that were dark skinned not really. it kind of would have would have been hard to fight against right yeah not having those prejudices because yeah. of how you've been treated by people that yeah. you I would say that I would say that um I don't I don't really have any ill will I it just makes me sad that they want to yeah. ostracize me over without divide, even talking because, yeah conquer divide and conquer because overall optimal. our experiences are the same mm-hmm. regardless as to how no matter how light you are or how dark you are mm-hmm. in america you're going to have some of the same similar experiences yeah at the end of the day we're all dwb doesn't matter what color you are yeah <laughs> <laughs> and tell people what dwb driving is. while black driving while black <laughs> now it's like living while black yeah everything we're getting everything. the police called on yeah. us just for walking down yeah. the street or being uh-huh. existing mm-hmm. barbecuing mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely so growing up what did you think about images of beauty say in the media because I think that's where you saw it. Because I remember I've always been such a huge music junkie. And of course, being my age that I am now, I was the beginning of the MTV generation. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, we couldn't afford cable. So I didn't have MTV, but my Mexican homie best friend down the street did. So I'd spent afternoons at her house being able to watch MTV mm-hmm. and music videos. Mm-hmm. And I noticed early on this pattern of when it came to black male artists, Mm -hmm. no matter what they look like, their love interests were always light-skinned or quote-unquote exotic looking, Mm -hmm. you know, racially ambiguous. Right, right. And that always stuck out to me like, where are the pretty brown girls? Why are there never brown girls in these music videos? Every bit of that, So were you ever aware of media imagery? And it wasn't until I, I mean, we all, um, you know, subscribe to Ebony and Jet and, yeah. and stuff like that. And then um, and then we had Essence magazine, which I was like, that used to be, when we had our subscription to that, that was like the best thing ever. And I would read that from cover to cover. Mm-hmm. But then as, you know, time went on, I just feel like there's just, sometimes I feel like we need to have something just for us. And it seems like the white people are always trying to come in and take our stuff. And um, and so I started to find that even in the Essence magazine, as you're flipping through, you'll start seeing ads with white models in there. And I'm like, what is a white model doing in my book? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I started to get upset about that. And, um, and uh, you know, I know business-wise, you got to have something for everybody. But... Um, yeah, I noticed that with the with the videos and even in the movies, they always have, you know, it's very mm-hmm. rare that you see a dark skin um, female lead and she's yeah, got a I love was, interest. Yeah, yeah, I was always looking for someone mm-hmm. that looked like me mm-hmm. and I never found it hardly. Mm-mm. I mean, now it's a lot better and especially, you know, there's just so many different um, outlets for mm-hmm. TV, whether it's Netflix, Hulu, all these things, all cable has opened up new doors and new opportunities to where 
everything cannot be generically the same looking. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a pleasure to be able to turn on TV on any given show and see someone that looks like me, not just for my skin color, but even someone that's full figured. Right. Yeah. Right. They've really, um, yeah, they have diversified. It's a start, but they still have a long way yeah, to go. Yeah, there's still a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Trust and believe, but it's better than mm. what it's it better has than been it was. like when we Yeah, grew because up. I even, I, I ended up being kind of long in the tooth, but I finally got to see uh, the Crazy Rich Asians. And it was kind of cool to I see. I haven't watched it yet. Okay, well, it was cool to see them doing their thing. and um, But they're, they're another ones that you never see them doing anything other than being the computer geek. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They get kind of typecast. So, but at least that's a good type. Oh yeah. At least they're not typecast as whores and thugs. Yeah, and getting killed all the time. Yeah, because yeah. usually we're the first <laughs> ones to go. <laughs> that was the one thing that made me mad in in us is when they was like, well, look, I haven't seen it. Oh, yet. you haven't? Okay, I can't spoil it. Yeah, you it. can't spoil it for okay, everyone. Well, I, <laughs> I didn't. I had to look up what I was looking at because I I spent most of it with my eyes covered because I don't do the zombie stuff. Yeah, I can't do mm. like horror stuff. Mm. I'm I'm such a wuss. Me either. I would I'm a lightweight. Be, I would have a nervous breakdown yeah. before which, the which movie's over. Which is crazy because I don't mind a car chase and a shoot 'em up, but the zombie yeah. stuff, no sir. Yeah, because I came home and watched Equalizer too, and I was perfectly fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> So, but the zombies, no, ma'am. <laughs> so talk about colorism as it relates to dating. Because I think growing up in Galesburg, that probably is the one area I think where whether I knew it or not was an issue. Absolutely. Because the guys either wanted the light-skinned girls or they wanted white girls. Yeah. And you didn't see a lot of no. us brownies Mm-mm. dating Mm-mm. a lot when you think about it no like not at of, all no, like none of my other friends that were brown like me no one dated like all the girls that had boyfriends were either light or white mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely so um yeah i i found that too it's either they they wanted and then i'm like well i look white but i but when you see <laughs> hear me talk Always for the the <laughs> militant sister soldier over here. So and I, Karen's so like, always been a black panther. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I can't I can't tamp that down. So yeah, so that that's probably what made push me out of the rhythm. And so did that did that make you angry? Every bit of that. Yeah, I used to be that way too, and I think yeah. just as I've gotten older, I have like chilled out on that, and like you know. You love who you love, at, you know. Now I can mm-hmm. see that, but it used to burn me up. Mm-hmm. I'd be side eyeing a brother, like, "Okay, yeah. sell out. What's yeah. wrong with you?" Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I was, I would see him in the mall, and I'd be like, "A complete black family, yes, yes, sir." <laughs> you know, and um, but yeah, that's just not the case in Galesburg, and still isn't. They're yeah, all, and I think a lot, in a lot of places too. Yeah, I, and it'd be interesting because. Um, I would go other places like I would come to Peoria or I have a lot of family in Michigan and I, you know, we'd be in Detroit a lot and, you know, I'd like have guys thronged around me and I'm like, whoa, this is a totally different experience than my hometown. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, that was always interesting. Yeah. It's just, I always wonder, I said with all the, um, racism and stuff going on, what those people from the 50s that oh you know you can't sit on this chair and stuff like that and then here they are they got these little mixed grandkids you know what would they say 
<laughs> but I think sometimes that you see with people like that, they're still racist that because you can compartmentalize it. Mm. It's like you can accept your loved one that's mixed, but it doesn't mean that you like other people that are black. And I think now a perfect um, celebrity example of that is you take someone like a Cardi B, who mm. I cannot stand. You guys know I have talked mm. about her yeah. on this podcast before, and she's a Latina, and she does not like black women. Mm. She has made disparaging, horrible remarks about black women. She's referred to black women as cockroaches, which that is the coded language that you're black and ugly. Mm -hmm. and you call someone a cockroach. She refers to black women as cockroaches. Um, she had gotten into some exchange on Twitter or something with this black woman whose child had died, uh, and I think it was a stillbirth or something, and she called the woman's baby a monkey <gasps> because it was dark-skinned. Oh, no. Yeah. Ugh. And, I mean, she has just said horrible things about black people, and, you know, I have had, you know, had discussions with people that, you know, are diehard Cardi fans and stuff. I'm like, how can you be? She doesn't even like you. She doesn't even like black women. And they're like, why were you talking about? So I list all these examples and the stuff's out there. You can Google it and see it for yourself. And they're like, well, she is married to a black man. You know, she's had a baby by a black man. And but I'm that's like, the man. Hey, it's not the women. That's the man. Just yeah. because she likes black men. Yeah. Our black men are delicious. Of course, yeah. she likes black men. That yeah. doesn't mean she likes you, honey. Yeah. There's a difference. Exactly. And all skin folk ain't kin folk. folk. Amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah. And I, I just had a thought um, when you were talking about the um, the light skin thing. I had started a, um, a discussion, if you will, on Facebook about because I always thought that uh, Lisa Williams was the first african-american homecoming queen in galesburg and she was not she said if you remember karen she said i had my son at 17 and the um uh the advisor at the time didn't think i was a good role model now fast forward to you know 2019 and that teen mom finished school has a degree and that baby was a standout football player at western and out coaches in, in um 205 so it started a whole thing that they're like oh well um the advisor's you know, the kids always pick who the who the um, royalty court is. And I was mm -hmm. like, really? Do they? Because I said, if they stepped in at that time, what makes you think they're not doing it now? So who was the first? The first ended up being a girl named um, Valerie Cliff. Her her parents um, ran, uh, were, I think her dad was a minister at a church up in Kiwani, but they lived in Galesburg. So she was the first, and that was in... And was she light? No, she was dark. She really? was dark. Now I'm she, surprised by that because yeah. Lisa's very light as well. Yeah, yeah. So she was dark, and so that happened in, I want to say, 2010. And then it was five years later, thir three years later, it was 2013, that Keisha Harris's niece, Lyric, uh, was the next queen, and she was light. And mm -hmm. then they've had nobody since. Now, they've had plenty of kings, but no queens that yeah. were black. So Interesting. Yeah. So... I always want to like wrap up a show mm -hmm. with not just addressing an issue, but addressing how we fix the issue. Mm -hmm. And colorism is something that is so deeply rooted in the fabric of this country. You know, from the time we were 
brought here for slavery and we were divided from house Negroes to field Negroes and a lot of it was based on color and slave masters started raping because that's exactly what it was it was not consensual hello it was rape mm -hmm. when they started raping african women and and um started having mixed kids who back, back then were called mulatto mm -hmm. so we've had these divides and the colorism mm -hmm. since we landed on these shores and sadly i think we still have it to a certain degree we still have these beautiful little dark girls who think they're less than because of the color of their skin and you can speak to, in your case, maybe even some little light-skinned girls who think that they're singled out as well. Mm -hmm. So what's the solution? Well, I think from an early age, you have to, um, and my mom did that. I had a strong mother, and she would tell us every day, you know, you look in that mirror and you say, I am beautiful, I'm, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made, and I have something to offer. And so, and I think, even with the, um, I think they've come a long way with the toys and they have, mm -hmm. you know, with um, American Girl and then I know Barbie has, you know, different uh, hues of, of toys and stuff like that. So you can find somebody who looks like you because. That's so important. It People, is. If you have kids or you're buying mm -hmm. gifts for kids, mm -hmm. buy them toys and action figures that look like them. Yeah. That's so important. It sure is. It sure is. So starting there. And then just, I think, knowing our history, I mean, even though this is a hard topic to talk about, we still need to um, acknowledge it because, so that, you know, so that it doesn't get repeated and, and perpetuated. And so for me, I, it wasn't until I became an adult that I got so versed in my um, me you know, too. Black culture and black history and everything, because definitely 205 wasn't given it to us. It certainly did not. It, yeah. All we knew was Martin Luther King, right. and that was and about I it. I was so disgusted with that. But, um, you know, so, and then I didn't have, um, I didn't, well, even a male teacher, an African-American for that until I got to, like, college. Same here. You know, mm -hmm. so, I mean, so, yeah, we definitely need to be more intentional about getting um, African-American teachers and, um, you know, uh, showing African-American men in a good light because um, they're still not getting it in no, the media, even no. even though we've had a black male president. Right, right. It's still an issue. Yeah, it's still an issue. So I think, yeah, all those things together and just, like I said, just opening up the dialogue and talking about it. Because I think a lot of times we're so, you know, just powering through and just, you know, living your life that you don't talk about these issues and people don't really know how to um, function or um, accept because we're raising generations now that are so darn sensitive about every little oh thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like, I, give me a break. Yeah, for real. It, it's just. But you do. You have to educate and you have to. It's important to expose kids to other people and especially positive role models that look like them. Because we have a lot of people who aren't black that are raising black children. And I think it's especially important in, in situations like that mm -hmm. to go out of your way to expose these kids that you're raising to positive role models that look like them because there's going to be some confusion there. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm also a big proponent. I mean, I'm a public school kid. I mean, I, I'm proud of that. But I, I think putting your, you know, the homeschoolers and being in a cocoon, at some point you have to be able to coexist 
and you have and to learn social skills. social skills with people who are not like you and not everything is going to go your way not everybody is going to um, be your friend and and mm-hmm. be able to handle it I think some of the the stuff with these kids you know some of it is bullying but then some of it is just that's just the hierarchy of being a kid you learn your space in life about how you conduct yourself in the sandbox you know what I'm yeah. saying fight for that toy or truck or whatever and you've got so many people that the minute they're like, oh, stern or whatever, then they want to like, you know, fall over like a feather. And, or you get the people that go postal and want to shoot everybody up. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? As the stuff, even though, I, um, like I said, I can I can talk about that whole cheerleading thing now. But I mean, at the time, that was very very distressful. Yeah, you know painful. what I'm saying? Absolutely. Very painful. But I didn't get upset and go and shoot up the whole school. I just found something else to do. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But you, I, uh-huh. I think it's so important that if you have any access to a child, whether you're raising a child, niece, nephews, you're in organizations or groups or your church where you have any access to children, I think it's so important to to build up every child's self esteem. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure every child feels like they're special and they're smart and they're beautiful and they're wonderful. I think that is like something that's so basic and something that's so important is mm-hmm. to tell a child, "Oh, you can do it. You can make it. You're you're great." Mm-hmm. You know, and every in every single way. And I think that is just so important because you don't know if at home or wherever they're getting that positive affirmation about themselves. So I think it's important to instill that in children when you have a chance. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And to pay attention to them because it's so easy to like ignore them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, so yeah, so all those things, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and when you have a kid that comes to you and that, you know, says things about color, address it because when I was raising my niece and nephew who they both um, look biracial because they have one like my brother is light and uh, his wife at the time was biracial and Mm. so they looked biracial and they really had I guess they were called what we would say is color struck Mm. is that they thought that they were better than people that Mm. were dark especially well really both of them did but you know I had I was able to have more conversations with my nephew about it and I'm like honey you are not better than someone that's dark Mm mm-hmm you know you we're all the same you're all going to have this experience in america as being black in america Mm -hmm. i don't care if you only look half black you're going to have the same experience living in this country Mm -hmm. as if you were my color and even darker Mm -hmm. and i had to try and instill in them that you are not better than someone else that's dark Mm -hmm. and i think that's important too to to make people realize that yes, you're wonderful and you're great, but you're not better than someone else based on your skin color. Correct. You're not better and you're not less. No, we're all the same. We're all God's children. Everybody regardless, has regardless, white, regardless, black, whatever. Right. We all have gifts. We all have something to bring to the table, and you just need to find your gift and use it. You know. So. Absolutely. So, Karen, <laughs> thanks for being yeah. open because it was kind of eye-opening hearing that because I would have never known that you had those experiences because from my perspective (laughs) I would have thought that you were treated better Mm -mm. and to know that it was the opposite based because you were light and I think like for me I think that 
in the community overall that we grew up in, you were more divided uh, socioeconomically. Like, you were put down growing up if you were poor or if you didn't have the clothes or the this and that that other kids had. So even more so than the color, which was interesting that there was Mm -hmm. such a socioeconomic divide. So thanks for participating in this conversation. And to all of you wonderful listeners out there, I would love, love, love to hear your experiences, especially if you're a person of color. If you're listening, you're not necessarily black, maybe you're Mexican, maybe you're of um, another ethnic group. What has your experience been racially growing up in this country as a child and now as an adult? We want to hear your stories. You can share them with us on the website, gethappywithj.com. Also, our Facebook page, make sure to like that as well, and you can comment. That's probably the easiest, most direct way to get to me. So join the conversation. Karen, thank you as always. Thank you so much. So it's great to be on here. Yes, a lot of always, fun. Yeah, it's always <laughs> awesome having you. And so, yes, share your stories of colorism because they do exist. And there's so many things that we did not get a chance to talk to because this is just, it's one of those deep conversations that we could really go there. And I'm sure at some point we will address it again because I would also like to have some male perspectives. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. if you or anyone that you know is interested in being a guest on the podcast, just hit me up. Let me know if there's any subjects that you would love to have us talk about. Let us know that and we'll be glad to address any and everything because it's all a part of wellness and just being better is learning to love and accept yourself so that's what we're all about until next week as we always say to end this show do something to make yourself happy it's not selfish it's self-care bye-bye Tell me how-